Welcome to the Property Management Mastermind Show with your host, Brad Larson. Brad owns one of the fastest growing property management companies in San Antonio, Texas. This podcast is for property managers by property managers. You'll hear from industry leading professionals on best practices, new ideas, success stories, and lessons learned. This is your opportunity to learn about the latest industry buzz surrounding property management, as well as tips and strategies to improve your business. Now here's your host, Brad Larson. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us here on the Property Management Mastermind podcast. Be sure to check out our website at propertymanagementmastermind.com, where you will find all of our episodes, products, and services to review to include our newly launched BizDev Mastermind offering, which is consulting services for companies looking to hire and grow using a business development manager. You can visit that site at bizdevmastermind.com. In addition, I wanted to announce the Property Management Mastermind Annual Conference going on in Las Vegas, March 234 at the Mirage Hotel in 2020. Visit the website at pmmcon.com. If you sign up for the conference and both add-on seminars, you'll get a 10% discount. I look forward to seeing you in Las Vegas. Lastly, be sure to find us on Facebook to join the conversation of over 6,000 members in the Property Management Mastermind Facebook group. Tenants not changing their air filters? Costly HVAC repairs and unhappy owners got you down? Filter Easy is a subscription air filter delivery service that solves this problem by shipping filters directly to the tenant's front door when it's time to change. Tenants actually change them, which reduces HVAC-related maintenance calls by an average of 30%. Filter Easy's no-cost-to-use solution functions as a profit center to give you back time and money. Call 1-800-308-1186 today to learn more. And welcome everybody to another edition of the Property Manager Mastermind Show. I'm your host, Brad Larson, and today's guest, I'm very excited to have Mr. Flynn Cochran here from Echelon Front. And to give you a real quick interview or introduction to the interview, Flynn is coming to us from the book, Extreme Ownership. And I'm gonna let him kind of talk more about that, but he's gonna be at the Mastermind Conference speaking marquee on stage Wednesday. And then he's also gonna be adding on and do a three hour seminar on Wednesday. That's March uh, 234, Property Management Mastermind Conference, Las Vegas, the Mirage. Go to pmmcon.com to learn more and get signed up. So without a, all that stuff aside, Flynn, how are you today? I'm good. Happy to be here, man. Thanks, Brad. I'm super excited to have you on. Again, I'm a fanboy. Uh, I love what you guys are doing. I think it's fantastic. So real quick, I want you to take some time and talk about who you are, kind of what, you, what you've been doing, and talk about the Echelon Front uh, group that you're in and kind of give us some background a little bit and I'll ask some more questions and we'll go from there. So give us a, give us who you are. Sure. Well, I'm, I'm from Seattle, Washington, originally uh, Navy brat. My dad was in the Navy for 24 years. I uh, come from a big family. I'm the six of eight kids. Uh, we're named alphabetically um, and uh, went to college up in upstate New York, uh, commission officer in the Navy, did the ROTC program, went to the Navy, it was in the Navy for eight years, six of those in the SEAL teams. Uh, got out of the Navy back in 2012, moved to, went to business school for a couple of years, and then I uh, went and worked for a large consulting firm called McKinsey and Company out of their Seattle office. Uh, and, and about just over two years ago, I moved over to Echelon Front to take take the chief strategy officer role and, and really help take the leadership principles that that I was taught as a young SEAL officer by Jock Willink and Leif Babin and what they've been teaching over the last decade and, and work with companies longer term. 
so so come in and, and, and do an assessment, identify where they're off, and then help to apply these principles longer term to an organization. So take a little bit of the, the McKinsey kind of broader consulting model, uh, include the leadership, and then and then run those with, with companies. So I'm doing a bunch of work on that on that end. Um, Echelon Front, we were a leadership consulting firm uh, founded back in, in really 2011, really kind of took the next level with the book Extreme Ownership that launched in 2015. Uh, and that was that was literally, um, you know, Jocko Willink and Leif Babin, as, as they got back from a deployment in 2006, they took over training roles uh, in, in the SEAL teams. They, the, Jocko got back and they asked him what he wanted to do. He said, I'll take over West Coast SEAL training. So not the, not the training that, you know, boats on heads, running with logs, you know, sitting in freezing cold water, the BUDS initial SEAL training, but the actual advanced training where, where platoons are getting ready to deploy to combat. They took over that training. Uh, and then Leif Babin took over the junior officer training course. So all of the officers going through the, the SEAL pipeline, you'd spend five weeks, five weeks with Leif. And, and back into the early 2008, one of the first briefs I got in the senior officer training course was the Jocko brief. That's what it was called back then. Uh, and you guys know what the Jocko brief is. It's essentially extreme ownership. He taught me these lessons, this, you know, the four laws of combat, these mindsets, this idea of ownership. That was that was the leadership doctrine that I was taught as a young SEAL officer, and now we've we've taken that 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 doctrine uh, and and applied it to, to to both personal life and business life. And then we go out and, and teach individuals and companies how to use this to, to change cultures and change lives. Talk about the books just a little bit more. Assume nobody has ever heard of this that's listening. So we have two books that you want to mention. Yeah, there's, so there's two 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 books that have been written by Leif Babin and, and, and Jocko Willink. First one, Extreme Ownership. And that, that's kind of that's the, the 101, the leadership 101. And what's made it so successful is that it, it, there's a bunch of leadership books out there, you know, a bunch of leadership books. And the reason it's, it's so successful is that they've taken these combat leadership principles and 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 describe them in a very practical way of how you actually implement them both in business and, and, and personal life. And they're kind of structured in a they tell a, a, a you know a short combat story on where this where they learn this principle. They talk about the actual principle itself, the application of it. And then they talk a little about business, how, how, you, how you apply this to business. Uh, and so, again, I think at, at its core, what's made it so successful is that that these principles, they, they teach them in a way that people can understand. And most importantly, teach them in a way that people can go and, and do something different, change a conversation, change a behavior. Uh, and so it's not some you know real deep theory on leadership. It's like, hey, this is what good leadership looks like. Go and do this and you'll be more effective. And then the second book is that the dichotomy of leadership was really as, as, as extreme ownership launched, people who were already kind of aligned that way and, you know, took ownership of everything and, and, and obviously extreme aligned with these people, uh, they would go out and they implement these principles and they would take ownership of every, every, everything that impacts their mission, every piece of the mission. And all of a sudden their teams weren't, weren't supporting them. The teams weren't making decisions. The teams weren't doing things that, that were helpful to the overall mission because they were owning everything. And so as they started to go out and, and, and talk to companies that have implemented this extreme ownership, there was there were they realized that that there actually might have been a mistake. While extreme ownership is a is a it's a good brand, right? It's, it's, it's a catchy kind of brand brand name. Is that not actually what what what's required to be a good leader? The, the mo- most important to, to being good leaders is this idea of balance. And yeah, you want to take you still take ownership of everything. That that's that's guaranteed. That's for sure. But the way that you do that, you actually have to balance things. And so you know you have competing priorities. There's, there's competing things that a lot of times both times are right. And you have to decide which 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 side you go to. So the dichotomy is all about really the application of these these leadership principles 
and, and how you can go too far in one direction, it's ineffective, or you go too far in the other direction, and it's ineffective as well. And so you have to find a way to, to, to get the balance. And so the extreme ownership is like an introduction to it. The dichotomy is a little more on the implementation, some of the challenges with implementation. Talk to us more about your SEAL experience, because I think that's very intriguing, and a lot of people want to learn more about that. Yeah, so I, I, I was in the Navy for a couple of years. I, I deployed, I was on a ship, uh, the USS McCampbell out of San Diego. And, uh, you know, I, I wasn't 100% sure what I wanted to do in the Navy. Uh, and as I deployed, and, and obviously 9-11, you know, oper- Operation Iraqi Freedom and Enduring Freedom, the global war on terror had kicked off. Uh, I found myself sitting off the coast of Iraq, um, you know, and and realized do we're doing some oil platform defense. I was boarding some other vessels in the area, um, but there was just, I, I felt like there was more I could do. I could contribute in a more direct way. And so literally a week before we came back to San Diego, I said, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put my hat in and try and, and, and try to get picked up from the SEAL program, the, the BUDS program. I got back from that deployment. I put my application in and I got, I got picked up for it, went, went to the program and, you know, SEAL training is, it's hard. I mean, it's hard training. Some of the books out there written about SEAL training makes it seem like it's impossible. It's not, you know, hundreds of guys make it through every year, uh, but it, it is hard training. You're cold, you're wet, you're sandy, you're tired, and you have to, you know, you have to not get caught up in the moment, um, but also not to look, look too, too far away, right? Because if you're looking at the seven months of this, you're not going to make it if you get caught too much in the, in the, the actual moment of, of what you're doing. Then that'll be a problem as well, and that's that's where you know most people quiz that they can't either they think too long term or too short term and realize that you know the, the sweet spot kind of the middle is where you want to be in this mindset to get through the, the training program. Um, so I made it through the I made it through the SEAL training program. I uh, did the junior officer training course, uh, and then went on to, went on to advanced training, and then eventually got the SEAL Team One, where I was an assistant platoon commander there, and then a platoon commander. Uh, had a really really incredible experience as a system platoon commander where I got to deploy to a country in the Middle East where we have a really uh, small presence and got to do some pretty interesting work with different parts of the, our, our government and at a very high level in that government to help help them uh, eradicate some of their their terrorist problems. So we got a really cool experience there. And then I came back, I, I got promoted to platoon commander and then did my platoon commander at, at SEAL Team 1 uh, where we got to get go to a bunch of different countries and, and support support different training efforts different operational efforts. And then we did a deployment. Uh, my last deployment was actually to the Philippines where we had to, you know, send out, I had five different teams, literally on five different islands. Uh, so this idea of decentralized commander, how do you leave from a, a remote location, which is what a lot of leaders struggle with today, just based on, you know, on where we're at. You know, I imagine a bunch of leaders that are coming to the conference have teams that they don't see on a regular basis. Uh, and so I had, I had to learn pretty quickly the right way to communicate the right way to, to still lead my team without being, without being present. Um, so that was a really cool lesson for me. Uh, so that was kind of my, the, the summation of my, my SEAL experiences. I, I looked at either staying in the teams or getting out. I, uh, I had just finished my platoon commander tour. I uh, had a phenomenal experience. I got, I, I got accepted a business school. Um, and I kind of looked at what the career path looked like for an officer in the SEAL teams that, you know, after your platoon commander, you know, you might get a little more operational experience, but after that you kind of become, you know, it's, it's more of the, the, the leadership strategic, strategic side. Uh, and so I, 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 moved, I decided to move out and um, uh, go to business school and, and do some other stuff. It was also two young boys at the time. And, and uh, it, you know, the SEAL teams are gone a lot. It's not just deployments, you know, you're training, you know, if, if you're not deployed, you're training. Uh, and so there's a lot of time, time away from the family. Uh, so it's kind of a, a combined decision to, to, to move off. And the decision know. to exit was, is tough. I mean, I know that's kind of a thing too. Uh, uh, some people know, but some don't, you know, in a prior life, I was an army infantry officer and and like you, I was 
my greatest job ever. I would do it till this day as a platoon leader. Like make yeah. me make me an infantry platoon leader. I'll do that job until I die. It is a phenomenal deal to be able to lead troops either in light infantry or mechanized infantry. And I had the opportunity to do both. So I, I was very fortunate. And then again, once you get promoted, as soon as you make captain, you go to staff level and just like the life is sucked out of you. You're no longer a door kicker. You're not with the guys. You're not a grunt. You're just a staff officer, middle management. And so that, that spurred me to get on. Now, when you decided to exit, uh, you went to business school. So tell me more about that. That's very fascinating. Yeah, I, I studied business and uh, management systems in undergrad, and I always wanted to, to learn more about it. Uh, and so I, you know, and I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. I was so focused on my team, my time in the military, my time in the SEAL teams, that I didn't really take it take take too much time to look up and out and see what was even available. So business school for me made a lot of sense. It gave me a couple of years to kind of figure out, you know, what was out there, uh, figure out where I wanted to plug in. Um, I was fortunate to, to to go to Harvard Business School. Uh, and great organization that 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 you know has a has a pretty interesting view of leadership, uh, and and you know arguably you know one of the, one of the best schools that teach leadership. And so as I thought about my experience in the military, I wanted to I wanted some help actually putting some framework around it so I could apply it in from a business perspective. And, and I figured Harvard was was the best place to do that. So I, I ended up going there. Um, a phenomenal experience there. Met some incredible people. Was always the dumbest guy in the room, uh, which 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 is cool because I got to learn from everyone, uh, and and had just a, a phenomenal experience getting to to help learn how my experience in the military, my leadership experiences, the the the, the things that I got that did well and struggle with from from a leadership perspective, you know how, how much that applies to the challenges that my classmates faced a little bit, but they're more importantly going to face as they actually move into real leadership positions. So my my contribution to the class was just around the actual practical leadership, um, which is interesting now that I'm, you know, whatever, how many, seven, eight years later now teaching this to, to companies in a way uh, where they actually kind of started a little bit when in, in business school. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, you know, again, the business school helped me learn the terminology, understand a bit of, of what was out there, understand how businesses are are generally structured and put together and how you talk about it and, you know, cash flow, all the, all the kind of tactical stuff. Uh, but but for me, most important during that time was, was the, the, the ability to take what I had learned in the military and then start to, you know, translate it to, to the way that it works in business. Um, so that was really the, the first the first step for me there, which was incredible. Being a professional consultant, right? <clears throat> Echelon Front is a professional consulting firm for businesses, large businesses. Uh, have you personally helped any big businesses that we might have heard of? And I'm not putting you on the spot by this question, and maybe you're not even allowed to say. But is, is there any that you could potentially drop names? Just like, hey, I helped uh, you know so and so grow something. Is there something cool like that you can tell? Well, we, we actually do keep our client client list confidential. Uh, just, but but you know, there's there's a number of, of there's a number of clients out there that promote that they work with us. So you know, I think the, the best example of, of one of the, the big wins we've had recently is this company called Groundworks. They're a foundation, you know, a residential foundation repair company, uh, and they started. It was uh, Matt Malone, the CEO. He he bought it was one branch or two branches back in Virginia Beach. This was three years ago. Uh, and I think they're doing a you know a couple. It was maybe twenty five million dollars in revenue, um, and then literally two weeks ago they just sold to a private equity firm uh, for a significant amount of money. To and you know this year they did two hundred and fifty million dollars in revenue and and are continuing to grow. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so just the massive amount of growth and what they did, which was cool about about Groundworks, is they they took these extreme ownership leadership principles and and 
that became their culture. That became the framework, the way they talked about leadership. And so as, as Matt was growing the company and, and adding these different branches and, and, you know, kind of snatching up these mom and pop residential, you know, foundation repair companies across the East coast and then slowly moving to the Midwest, he realized he needed to figure out the right way to embed these principles and, and bring people on board. And so he brought us in to, to do a lot of that to help of the, the, the cultural integration. So, you know, one of the, the things that we do every branch that he buys, we go in and um, we go in and, and do a field training exercise. We take the top 25 leaders of that branch of that organization and we put them through a, a field training exercise, which, which essentially means we, we introduce them to the principles. Uh, we talk about some application of these principles to, to the business. And then really day two, we give them laser tag guns. Uh, we put them into a task unit, you know, into a military structure uh, and we give them target packages and they go out into these paintball fields or, or airsoft fields uh, and they run operations just like we did. So they, we teach them these leadership principles, the way that I actually learned them, the exact way that I learned them. Uh, we teach them that way. And, and then we, you know, it, it's kind of the, the, the day, which is a lot of fun, obviously, but it's broken up and hey, we plan a mission for 20 minutes, go run an operation for 20 minutes. And then we spend 20 minutes debriefing the operation and the debriefs aren't around, Hey, you, sh- you should have cleared left instead of cleared right. Or, or you should have done that. It, it, it done the tactical stuff. They, they screw it all up because it doesn't matter. The, what matters is the actual, the broad, the broader principle. Hey, that when, when this happened, when you saw this happening out there, you actually see that in your business as well. When you go to a job site and you're talking to a foreman and a crewman that you need to make these changes. So we spend a lot of time about tying those to the business. What are some of the um, really and, interesting revelations you get out of the civilians doing this militaristic training where they're just thrown into it? I mean, clearly there's got to be some just for you, it's got to be some rewarding aha moments that come out of that from folks that have never done anything like this. And all of a sudden they're like, wow, now I get it. Now I understand. Uh, give us some of that. Cause I, I can imagine just, you get yeah. some light bulbs that go off and it's just amazing. Yeah. I mean, so we teach these four laws of combat, right? This idea of cover move, which is a gunfighting tactic, right? It, it's how it's a, we, we teach that and you have to, you know, provide cover fire so your other team can move, right? That's cover move. The second one is simple. Simple plans. The way you communicate the plans needs to be simple, clear, concise, or people can't actually execute. Prioritize and execute. You know that that's that's the third law of combat, and that's you know when we go out and 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 one thing you know one thing happens, one one bad thing happens, and inevitably twelve or thirteen bad things happen, and the, all these problems come up, and you got to solve them all. You can't solve them all at the same time. What you have to do is is detach emotionally, identify what's going to have the most impact, and then go solve that one problem, and move on to the next. Not anything dissimilar to what you guys deal with. You know, with, with property management, every day is probably a little bit like that. Um, and what you have to do is detach emotion, right? Identify, identify the, the things that need to happen and then choose the one that's got the most impact. And the last one is this idea of decentralized command, which is pushing the decision making down the lowest level. It's leadership at every single level. Uh, and, and the way that you do that is explaining the why behind the actual mission, the commander's intent, the, the, so that when, when people run into problems, run into issues, they can actually solve their own problem and, and get the problem solved as opposed to going back to the boss and asking a bunch of questions, right? So that's kind of the, those are the four laws. Those are the actions that we talk about. That's what's found in extreme ownership. And so we test these, these leaders on these and we, you know, cover move. Yeah. Gunfighting tactic. They, they don't cover for each other. And so they, they struggle with that. But for me, the, 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 the big aha moments typically are on the, the, the prioritize and execute. We talk a lot about as, as a leader, as a young steel officer, I, I was taught very early on, my job was not to shoot my gun. Now that like broke my heart, right? Cause I, I every, you know, I, that's what I wanted to do. Guys can become seals. They wanted to go, go shoot bad guys. Right. And I realized that that wasn't my job. My job was to get off my gun. My job was to take my gun, put it in a safe point in a safe direction, get some cover, 
look around, identify all the things that need to happen and you know, provide the resources to my team so they can solve all the problems, right? That was my job. And you'll see these leaders will put them in situations where they're, they're, they're leading, you know, in a very uncomfortable situation. They're not combat leaders in any way, but they're in charge of making decisions, solving problems, and they will end up getting sucked into all these minute problems. They'll get sucked into clearing a building. They're sucked into a firefight with one of the enemies and they get, they, they, they front side focus and they lose track of the broader picture. And all of a sudden when we're actually able to pull them out of that, that one problem they're working on, it's total mayhem and chaos, right? Because they got on their gun. And so that, this idea of, Hey, and the reason they got on their gun is because they got emotional. They got into this fire. It's, it's very emotional thing. Uh, and so what you have to do is when you feel yourself getting emotional, detach, put your, you know, get off your gun is, is really what, one of the key takeaways that we see. And the light bulb comes off for leaders who, 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 Historically, like to solve problems, like to get things done, right? And they get sucked in so much they actually forget their main job is to actually put their people in positions to be successful, to think two or three steps ahead, to build those relationships with other groups that 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 you know might you might need to leverage months from now. That's what you should be doing as a leader. If I'm, uh, and so that yeah, if, go ahead. If I may offer, I mean that that could be a maybe a little bit of different term. Is you hear the cliche, you're working in the business and you're not working on the business. I mean, yeah. is that a good way to think of it? You're you're on your front site. And you're working in the business, like you are trying to approve an application, you are trying to move in a tenant, you are working on a work order, versus maybe you should be implementing something bigger at the higher level to where something can come in, somebody can come in and do some of that for you, and you're working on the business, for example. So I guess I'm trying to relate that into, you know, the cliches that we always hear, and your business, on your business, that type of stuff. So that makes a a ton of sense. I want you to talk about... Uh, we have you coming to the Mastermind Conference. You're going to be speaking Wednesday. You have a 75-minute presentation. Just kind of give us a tidbit of what you think you want to cover through that. Yeah, so that, that 75 minutes goes pretty quick. So what I'll do is I'll give a, I'll give a, a kind of a short intro of myself, kind of my, my path, my journey to the SEAL teams, uh, talk about my perspective on, on my service and how it changed uh, based, on, uh, based on a few things. Then I'll go into a little bit of the story on, of, of the Battle of Ramadi. So, uh, you know, a, a, a pretty um, hairy battle that, that was a, a tough situation where people were saying we couldn't win there. Uh, task unit bruisers, who, who was a, a SEAL task unit from, from SEAL Team 3, led by Jocko Willink and Lake Babin, they deployed to Ramadi uh, and they, play, they played a key role in supporting the, the broader, you know, infantry. Um, the 118 AD, the, the armored division, um, the 118 AD supported them uh, in, in actually winning that battle. And as Jocko came back from that deployment, you know, the best thing that he could take were these lessons that he learned there uh, because it was, it was, it was significant that the battle I faced and the cost that they paid was, was heavy. Uh, and they came back and, and took these lessons. He took over West Coast SEAL training, like I said, uh, and then started, realized that, that these young SEAL officers didn't understand the fundamental principles that made you successful in combat. And literally after observing the first operation, you know, turnover operation with his predecessor, went back and wrote out these four laws of combat and started to teach the young SEAL officers what these were. And so then, you know, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about that. And then most importantly, we'll get into the principles themselves, the, you know, cover move, which is teamwork, simple, simple plan, simple communication, prioritize and execute. You need to detach emotions, identify what needs to happen, choose the right thing, decentralized command, push in decision-making down, empowering your subordinate leaders to make decisions, solve problems. Right. Those are the four behaviors. And then there's some mindsets, right? So those are what we see the best leaders, the best SEAL, the, the, the best teams do, the best SEAL platoons. They do those four things. Uh, but what allows you to do those are some mindsets that you don't see. Those are kind of, uh, you know, underwater. And this idea of being default aggressive, right? Being not aggressive towards people, right? But aggressive towards problems, towards solutions to problems, towards opportunities in your market space. 
You can't just, you know, you can't just dip a toe in the water. If the good deal is out there, you actually need to figure out how to go and then be aggressive in going after it. Same what we learn in combat, right? The more aggressive you need in combat wins. Uh, innovate, adapt. Yeah, that's near dear to your eyes heart. You know, there's a lot of innovation and, and that, that happens in every industry, even property management, as I can imagine. There's a bunch of things changing. And if you're not keeping up with that, if you're not innovating what you do, your processes, how you, you know, serve your customers, serve your clients, serve your owners, you're going you're gonna to go away because someone else is doing it right now. Uh, and then the most important characteristic of a leader is this mindset of, of humility, of being able to check your ego, talk a little bit about what that looks like. And then the, 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 the other mindset that is kind of near and dear to Jocko's heart, this idea of discipline equals freedom, right? So a structured, you know, rigid way of doing things uh, actually gives you the freedom to be very adaptable, very agile. All the business terms out there, it allows you to be very flexible in your operating environment because you have processes that you follow. And you don't have to spend a bunch of time figuring out how you're going to get a problem solved. You can go solve that problem because you follow, you know, disciplined operating procedures. And then the last piece that again, the we'll spend the most time on this idea of, of extreme ownership, right? Which is you own everything that impacts your piece of the mission up the chain of command, down the chain of command, across the chain of command. If it impacts your piece of mission, you have to take ownership above it, right? Every success, every failure, right? Every problem, every solution. And, and you have to commit that, that if it impacts your piece of mission, it's actually on you to get that problem solved. Right. And, and, and that's, that's what the, the kind of presentation will be. Um, they'll be, it'll be interactive. I'll, I'll get some volunteers to come up and help me, uh, help, help me show what the, the military version of, of some of these laws of combat are. Uh, but it'll be, you know, we'll introduce that and then spend some time talking about how you, how the attendees can apply it to, to, to both their business, right. But also life, which, which is great. Their relationships with their husbands, their wives, their children, it applies there as well. The red meat. I love the red meat because this is something that we've always wanted. This is stuff we can actually use. Uh, a lot of conferences we see in the space are, you know, people get up there and say, do push-ups and drink water. Uh, and it's just, you know, that's their whole stick of like, drink more water and you'll have a healthy life and you'll have a healthy yeah. business. But you guys are actually breaking it down into actionable steps. And I just, I absolutely love it. That's why I ran to you guys when we started putting this conference on and worked out, uh, you know, definitely worked out some some terms to get you all in. Now, I want yeah. you to talk through the... Just, just, just on that, Brad, you know, I... We, you know, we kind of compete in the space of, of motivational speakers and, and yeah, people get motivated by our message. There's, there's no question about that. But if, if, if people walk away only feeling motivated, then I've completely failed my job as, as the speaker, as a leadership instructor. We're leadership instructors. We're not speakers, right? We're actually instructors. So what we do is try to break these principles down in a way that people can go and do things differently. That's what, that's the intent. It's not to feel motivation because motivation is fleeting. Motivation goes away. What you need are actionable things that you can go and do. And so that, that's my goal. That's hundred percent my goal. And that's what we'll spend a lot of the time on, on, on how you apply this stuff. Property Meld is made for maintenance work automation. Property Meld will work to schedule, remind, verify completion, and follow up with your residents automatically while providing the best in class communication system for your ease of use, your vendors, and your tenants. Begin reducing maintenance coordination time and increasing tenant satisfaction today. Learn more at propertymeld.com. I want to hear more about the three hour seminar we're talking about because you're doing the 75 minute presentation, but then you have a work block, work, uh, a block of working time that we're going to work with the add on seminar where folks can attend. That's going to be a smaller group, you know, 50, 60 folks. Uh, and so you're going to have a three hour block with them. Kind of talk us through some of that and how you envision that working out. Yeah. So I don't want to give away too much of uh, the surprise, but there's, you know, what we'll do is, is we'll, you know, we'll take these principles 
And then, you know, I'm going to break you guys up into different teams and actually test you on your ability to apply these principles. And what's cool, I'll put you in a kind of an uncomfortable situation where there's there's time pressure, where there's challenges you face in, in, in doing what even your task, right, where you have to deal with other people, right? So like a legitimate leadership challenge that you guys deal with every single day, uh, kind of put you into one of these, these, these scenarios uh, and, and see how you respond. And then, yeah, most importantly, what we'll do is spend some time talking about afterwards. Hey, what, what are the lessons we've learned there? What, what, what do we see? What are the takeaways? Uh, and then we'll spend some time actually on an individual app, you know, application of this. As we talked about balance being the most important, kind of, you know, really the, the key to good leadership is being balanced in these different priorities or this kind of competing priorities. We've created a self-assessment tool um, to where you can assess yourself where you're at as a leader. And identify where you're off balance, right? And, and then what we'll do is, is again, it's, it's first step to identify where you're off balance, but most importantly, what are you going to do differently to get back to balance in that area, right? So we'll spend some time talking about what that looks like. We'll actually practice some conversation on how to how to take ownership in, in, in a conversation where, listen, man, a mistake was made, a problem happened, so, you know, you didn't hit a number, and obviously two or three or four or five, maybe six people contributed to that 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 mistake, that problem. How do you step up and take ownership of the entire thing, right? And then that's that's the conversation that, that we'll, we'll, I'm going to train you guys on on how to have that conversation. So whether it's going home, you know, with your with your wife, and there's a problem comes up, hey, here's how I should have that conversation so that you know I'm actually taking ownership um, and and the problem gets solved. And, and what we see time and time again is when you step up as a leader and take ownership, people actually follow you and they'll say, you know what, boss, that's actually not your fault. I could have done this differently. I could have done this differently. And now when you're taking ownership of the problem, you're doing things differently and they're doing things differently. The problem goes away. The issue that we see with most companies is that a problem comes up and the first thing to do, Hey, who's at fault here? The cast and blame and pointing fingers. And when you're just doing that, the problem stays in the middle of the room and it doesn't get solved. But if you step up as a leader, take ownership of a problem, people follow you and that problem goes away. Now, this seminar is focused basically at all levels, right? You're not, you don't have to be the business owner. You could be a staffer, but it's going to be that type of a seminar where everybody can get something out of it. Yeah. It's, uh, when we talk about leadership at, at, at Echelon Front and leadership in the SEAL teams, I'm going to make it crystal clear. Leadership has nothing to do with an organizational chart. Leadership has nothing to do with people reporting to other people. My, my frontline you know, front enlisted SEAL who machine gunner, only job was to, to carry a, a big machine gun, a lot of ammunition and hold down this, 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 you know, this field of fire, section of fire. He was expected to be a leader. I mean, he, you know, a problem came out, he was supposed to, to, to lead, find a solution to that problem, you know, lead up the chain of command to get resources to solve his own problems. That That's leadership. It's nothing to do with organizational charts. So the, these principles apply at every level, whether you're the, you know, a, a, a Fortune 100 CEO that we're, we're working with, or, you know, you're a frontline trooper in an oil and gas company that's on an oil rig. These apply across the board. That's what most excites me is it's at every level. And we have to think like that as business owners and anybody in the property management industry is you kind of have to look up and down the organizational chart so you can kind of understand a little bit on both sides. And that's one of the things that you guys talk about in the books is the, I'm forgetting the phrase, but it's like an up, down, bottom down. I mean, t- talk me through some of that. Um, so, so it's. Tell me a little bit more about what 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 you um. Tell me so, a little more about, so about the the. Jocko always talked about you, you talked about you know if you're at the bottom rung and you're looking up you need to understand the leadership going up and the leadership coming down, and so yeah. that that's something you guys can talk about through the three hour seminar as well. Sure. Yeah. So this idea this idea of decentralized command, which is you know the fourth law of combat, is is yeah you you need to understand how your piece of the mission fits into the broader mission. 
because the best teams, the best leaders, the, you know, the best individual contributors, wherever it is, you you need to understand the, the 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 roles and responsibilities and the job of those those above you, directly above you, and and actually directly above you below you. And the reason that's important is because number one, you need to have context of, of how your actions impact other pieces. But then two, this idea of cover move, supporting, you know, supporting other groups, supporting other people, you know, if, if they get stuck doing something else, you can actually step up and support them as well. So you can go up, you can go up the chain and do your boss's job for a little bit. Now don't, now the, the, the key here is don't stay there too long, right? And, and, and the bigger issue is when you go down to help your team and you're doing their job, yeah, you might want to solve that 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 specific problem, but what you need to do is, is quickly get back to your position because no one, if you're if you're doing their job, no one's doing your job, and that that's going to be a problem longer term, right? So that's very much short term, and so that there's this idea of decentralized command of understanding how you fit to the broader mission, the commander's intent, and then and then also this idea of cover move of being able to support each other up and down the chain of command uh, is is really what we'll, we'll we'll talk about as well. What do you envision as the end state of attending that three-hour seminar. What is their mindset going to be? What are they going to learn? Just one little tidbit of what you think is going to they're going to get out of that three-hour seminar. Just for just for giggles, you know, give me one sure. cool thing that'll come out. Well, so I think I think the first the first takeaway is that the leadership principles we teach are not something that's new. They're they're they're, they're literally not. It's it's good leadership teamwork. Cover move is teamwork. Is teamwork some new concept? No, of course not. But what we'll, what we'll do is talk about the importance of teamwork and how you actually start to build relationships, which is the foundation of teamwork, how you build those relationships, right? And so the, after, whether they come to the, the first session or the second session, again, everyone will have a better understanding of, of these, these, these different actions, these different behaviors, these laws of common that we talk about. And I guarantee everyone will have one or two things they can actually go and do, a conversation they can have. You know, an opportunity for them to actually step up and take ownership, an experiment they can take with taking ownership. And I'll kind of talk about, hey, listen, just experiment with this. Next time something comes up, problem comes up, just experiment. Just see what happens when you take ownership. See what happens how other people respond. And and if people do that, they'll see the power of this. Uh, and and so, you know, again, we'll get very, it, it'll be, they'll be motivated. They, they, they'll probably be motivated. They'll be fired up. But most importantly, what they'll do is they'll have one or two things they can actually go and do immediately. It's a text they can send. It's a phone call. And we get, you know, I get, get kind of constant feedback of sometimes midstream in a workshop or work with someone, they go, they, they go call their wife and take ownership for something. And they'll come back and say, hey, man, it actually worked. I, you know, there's this issue with the, whatever it was. I actually called her and told her this. And she's like, no, it, it actually worked. And now that problem is solved. Now the other problems are going to come up. But but the people have something to take away and, and go and do. Um, that's that you know as long as they're listening and introspective and, and humble right and they're able to check their ego a little bit realize that there's there's more for them to learn more you know areas for them to improve if, if they come with that mindset they'll have they'll have uh, you know a bunch of things they can go fix fantastic stuff Flynn I really appreciate you coming on today uh, this is more than enough than what we needed to kind of give us an overview of what your presence is going to be at the mastermind conference and you'll be there Wednesday March 4th doing a couple presentations, a 75-minute main stage presentation for the entire conference, and then a three-hour seminar breakout after that. That's going to be an additional fee if anybody wants to attend, but it would have been part of their main package if they bought the main package for the conference. So again, thank you very much for coming on. I uh, want to take advantage of your time and don't don't bleed you here too much, but look forward Thanks, to Brad. seeing you in about 30-plus uh, about days, my friend. 
We'll see you then. Awesome, man. Yeah, fire it up. Thanks, Brad. All right. Thank you much. Are you tired of chasing tenants to comply with having renter's insurance? Insurance Management Group can solve this problem with a master tenant's insurance policy. Keep tenants in compliance with your lease agreement and help protect all parties involved. A master tenant's insurance policy can also add an additional revenue stream to your business. Contact Derek Scott at 918-728-8992 or visit imgadvisors.com. To learn more, listen to the Property Management Mastermind Show podcast, episode number 36. This has been a podcast episode by propertymanagementproductions.com. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast, leave us feedback, and come back for our next episode.